because there are some simple things to learn. So I'm going to quickly go through that. Ten things you need to be to reach out to your world. Number one, be radiant for Christ. When I came to North America in the early 70s, uh, the, the first poster I saw that uh, grabbed me, is, it was in somebody's house, which says, bloom where you are planted. Very simple poster. Bloom where you are planted. I said, man, that's a very simple, but gets the message across. The first thing you need to keep in mind is that you can't bloom if you are not planted. You can't bloom if you're not planted. But if you're planted, you need to know where has God planted you. In what soil has God planted you? In what garden has he planted you? In what geographical network has he, God has placed you? In what relational network has God placed you? That's the sphere God wants us to primarily radiate your abundant life in Christ. You don't have to be concerned of the northeast of Regina. Leave it to us. Don't even have to worry about what happens in Brampton. Leave it to You need to say, where am I planted? Where am I planted? And that's where he wants us to develop. You know, when my kids were younger, uh, they used to make us hunt for things one hour before they go to bed. Why? The next day there was a thing called show and tell. <laughs> and one hour before, they were saying, oh, I need this. Tomorrow show and tell. And here we are. Scrounging the house, looking what is it that we can give that's unique that they can show and tell the next day. Uh, and, and I want to tell you. So in show and tell, first you show. And you show, this is the head of, uh, the skull of, uh, 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 of a giraffe from Kenya. So you first show, then tell. If you have nothing to show, you have nothing to tell. You need to show and tell. You can't bless them when you're not planted. So please bloom where God has planted you. Let the fragrance of Christ fill the garden. What aroma are you releasing? Is the fragrance of your life hope? Is the fragrance of your life warmth and welcome and love? Are you attracting? See, to share the good news, you must be news first. If you're not news, 
Nobody talks about it. I love people talking behind my back for the glory of God. If they're talking about me, they are being noticed. You need to be news. You need to sizzle before people look into the pan. Number two. Be prayerful. A wonderful phrase in scripture. Watch and pray. And I'm of the conviction that we need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. We need to talk to God about people. People God has placed in your garden. You need to bring that name and pray for them. Before you talk to them about, uh, about God. So look at your world of context. Pray to the Lord. Which are the five to eight people he wants you to focus on? In the next two weeks what you need to do is take a piece of paper and say. Uh, who are the people in my world that I run into without great effort? By virtue of where I'm working. By virtue of where I go for a walk, whatever, put those names down and then pray over the list. You, some of you, because you're very, very active, you may have 41 names on that list. Friends, you cannot reach 41 people. You need to ask God and say, out of this 41, which do the uh, four or two, six people I'm supposed to circle? And I'll tell you, if you ask God, God will ask you to circle. Some of which you, he asks you to circle, you almost want to say, God, I don't like that. No, don't worry. If he says it, circle it. Because he is the great connector. And when you ask him, he knows you're on duty and he's going to help you connect with people. He wants you to connect because you are the best means to communicate the good news to them. I, do, I cannot connect with everybody. And, uh, and so we need to pray. Uh, pray by name. Then you start praying for people uh, by name once a week. So not every day. Again, you see, we put burdens of people that it, it sounds uh, uh, spiritual, but friends, we are not to put bondage. Once a week you pray for these people by name. Why by name? Because the name of a person wraps up the person's total identity. Whether you know what the identity or not, except what you see, the name wraps up the total person's identity. Secondly, the name wraps up the total person's history. Because you do not know what their history was. You do not know that at grade six, uh, there was a so-called very Christian teacher that snubbed him. When you pray by name, you're wrapping up that person's identity and the person's history, and God knows that person's identity and history. All you're saying, God... This person, wrapped up in history, wrapped up in identity, need to know who you are. And friends, when you start 
uh, for starting to pray for those people once a week. The Holy Spirit will prepare you, and the Holy Spirit will prepare them. And the Holy Spirit is in the wiring business. He's a great connector. He knows exactly why he took that person and not the other person because he knows their history. He knows you. And he knows, so you need to watch and pray. What is happening in their lives? Pray for them. Watch and pray. But also pray and watch. Thirdly, be friendly to all. But be a real friend to some. You need to be friendly to all. You need to exhibit a positive, friendly attitude in the world you move in. Let your attitude of joy and that attitude of hope become contagious to others. They should expect when, when they see you before you come, they should think this is a picture of joy. Then you need to send signals of friendliness. Very simple. A smile is a signal of friendliness. A wave is a signal of friendliness. A nod is a signal of friendliness. So we moved into our new neighborhood recently. It's a neighborhood that we have never known anybody to live. He moved, at, uh, moved in the middle of November. I was traveling back and forth. But both Mary and I believe in smiling. The, you know, the amazing thing is in the condo complex, gossip is a high value. So when we ran into people that we didn't know was part of the complex, they said, oh, you're the Thomases. I hear you guys are very friendly. I've only talked to one person by then. That's the person next door. It's better to make peace before war. So I make peace. I want to tell you, You defrost your community by just smiling. I go to the bank. I go to the bank. You know, they're all waving at me. And usually when I stand in line, I say, I don't owe that much. I tell the people standing behind, no way. Because everybody. You know why? Not because I know them personally. Why? Because I've been sending signals of friendliness. I know some. Many does most of the banking, not me. But 
are sending signals of friendliness, you defrost them. And they feel comfortable to wave back at you. Try it. It's amazing. People, some will faint because they've never seen you do that. <laughs> but have the 911 number. Friends, some Christians live as if they've been baptized in concentrated vinegar. Sour. And yet we sing about the joy of the Lord. We need the joy of the Lord to hit your face sometime. <laughs> Send signals of friendliness. And, and, uh, and, and, and one of the concepts that is crippled evangelism is that we believe that you and I have to win everybody. And friends, I want to tell you in Jesus' name, you don't have to win everybody. Because the Great Commission was not given to an individual. The Great Commission was given to the Church of Jesus Christ. I win some. You win some. Together we are focused on all. So I don't have to carry the burden. I have to win everybody in my, in my complex. I just have to win some. And friends, if you reach everybody, then we are jobless. Leave some for us. <laughs> Leave for some. Don't be selfish. Don't reach everybody. Leave some for the rest of us. Number five, quickly. Be available. One widespread problem among Christians is within three to five years of coming to Christ, the believer has no Christian friends. The first study was done in 1979, and that study is absolutely true even today. Within three to five years, the church does an effective job of disconnecting the Christian from connecting with the non-Christian with all the programs we run in the church and keep them busy so that they won't do the task that God assigned them to do. And one of the principles I learned in physics in high school, uh, I was not a great physics student, I was great, grateful the day I finished physics till Jesus comes, uh, was no contact, no impact. This means there's no meaningful contact for Christ without meaningful impact. To make impact, you must make contact. And to make meaningful impact, May make meaningful contacts. So be accessible to non-Christians. Here's a working principle I work with. People need to say, see a whole lot more about you before they see a glimpse of Jesus. Think about it. They have to see a whole lot more about you. Before they can see 
a glimpse of Jesus. We have taught just the opposite. Be available. Jesus did exactly that. He didn't have an office in the Sanhedrin or the Jerusalem temple and have five people protecting him from seeing anybody. He was in the marketplace. He was at the beach. He was at the hillside. So friends, if you like golfing, go golfing. If you like surfing, go surfing. If you like window shopping, go window shopping. If you like picnicking, whatever you like to do, go and do it and avoid the Christians in the process. Because most Christians will kill your opportunity. They'll say the wrong thing. Turn people off. So I strive to do things without most established Christians because they just do not know how to function and relax with non-Christians. I go to a lot of functions in the city of Regina. I can easily find out who the Christians are, especially if it's a secular function. They're the nervous ones. They don't know what to do, you know. They're not sure they should have come. Now that they come, they don't know what to do. They find who the other Christians they know in the crowd. Hang around. You've got bad, bad behavior of Christians for evangelism because they're so foreign to them. To just be human and available to people to talk. Fifthly, quickly, be interested and caring. I met this friend of mine, Floyd McCullen, with Youth with a Mission in Amsterdam in, back in 1976. Floyd was reaching out to the prostitutes in Amsterdam, the streets, the first time. Uh, uh, the, the second person who taught me how to do evangelism among prostitutes. And uh, I went with them. I lived with them and walked with them and just watched him, watched him do now, Floyd McCullough made a statement, and I, I quote him. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. In all our evangelism training, we train the verses, the defense statements, all those things. Friends, I want to tell you, it's not your Bible knowledge that's going to often make the difference. It is going to be the kindness the helpfulness and the resourcefulness that you show to help people. Do, uh, do what you can. If you cannot do what you can, find out who in your network can help them in areas that they need. Uh, you know, they need counsel. They need advice. Uh, and we need to look at what can we do? How can we help them? Uh, you know, be an advocate for them sometimes. Uh, you know, go to talk to their uh, to the, uh, I've talked to many uh, 
landlords because they've uh, treated their, their tenants poorly and they've not uh, taken their complaints seriously. I've gone, to, I've gone to the landlord and talked to them and said, how come three and a half weeks the water has been dripping from, you know, on floor five in their house and, the, and, they, and they're really concerned of what's going to happen? And, you know, I've gone. That's what it takes. They're not going to come here to hear the gospel most of the time. Mary helps out with a lot of refugee, uh, not refugee, lot of immigrant people. What does she do? Uh, helps uh, get some furniture to them as they come new to Regina. So, so she, she's sort of the coordinator of furniture among, uh, for refugees in Regina. And uh, she, we don't have it all in our place. Uh, we know where to find what, and we, she's got a directory, and if the people say we need a bed, so she knows where the bed is, where is it uh, stored, in which garage, uh, all the coordination. I want to tell you, friends, she helped someone a year and a half ago today. Uh, 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 last fall, they got baptized, the whole family. Started with getting one table with four chairs up the staircase and giving them a table to eat on. And the question is, why would you do that? If you do it in Jesus' name. Be available. Uh, number six, quickly, be a good listener. Active listening is one of the most powerful ways to show caring. Listening is a magnet that draws two people together. Friends, we need to be quick to listen to non-believers. We often are prepared to uh, sort of dump on them. Listen. Don't rush in with the gospel. By listening to them, you are doing two things. First, you're affirming the person that he or she is valid and valuable. Second, by listening, you're informing that person you really care to know what they think or what they share. Here's the irony. For me, here's the irony. The greatest listener in the world is the God we worship. And we are not like him. Listen. Listen to what they say. Listen to what they don't say. I need to move on. Number seven, be hospitable. Share what God has provided you at this station in life. See, our God is a generous God, and he still is a generous God. Being hospitable means you have a generous spirit. Invite others into your world. You know, hospitality, often we think immediately you have to have a 13-course meal, you have to have a five-star house, no, no, hospitality is simple. You just make complicated. Hospitality is just sharing what God has allowed you to have at this station in life. 
at this station. If God gives you something better, you share what you have in life. So when we first got married, uh, we, uh, we were, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have all the money to put uh, living room furniture. We got beds and all, but so we went to Canadian Tire. We picked up 795 Special. Colorful chairs. My living room looked pretty. There was no sofa, nothing. It looked pretty bright with all those colorful things. You know, not that we didn't want to have, but we could not afford. At that time, we couldn't. We are going to use what we have. And yet, during the 14 months we had those chairs in that house, we saw some 160 people come and enjoy the living room. Because ultimately, it's not what you have, it's who you are. Hospitality, sharing who you are, and sharing what you have at this station in life. And I want to tell you, the Ministry of Hospitality is needed greater today than even 40 years ago. People are waiting, waiting to be invited. You don't have to have a 13-course meal. You can do it with coffee and tea. So we decided we are going to do hospitality before the year was out. So on the 27th of last December, we invited six couples from our condo complex to come for tea. Four made it, two had other plans. Nothing much, coffee, tea, there's Christmas fruitcake. We threw in some, Mary, I think, made some Indian puffs. And we had a delightful to us. And they said, we have always wanted to come into this home and look how it is. And I've been living here 18 years. I've always wondered, how does this house look like? And you gave us the treat. Friends, it's not difficult. Give freely and learn to receive graciously. When Mary first came to North America, she did not know how to bake. Nor did I. So I'm not saying she's minus. Didn't know how to bake. So what's the best place? You know, she... She learned baking from a Ukrainian grandma. And the Ukrainians know how to bake. And they just don't make a little bit, they bake a lot. <laughs> but I tell you, it was in that kneading and talking and waiting that she led her daughter-in-law to the Lord. And then the son. Uh, and then the husband. And the grandma was much later. 
receive when people give to you. Uh, eight, quickly, be prepared to share the gospel. Remember show and tell? It's not enough to just show. You must have the desire to also tell what you show. You need to wait for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You now need to explain why you are who you are. Why You need to explain why you shine. Why you need to explain why they make some positive comments about you. Being equipped increases our confidence and ensures our accuracy. We need to get equipped. And getting equipped simply means you master the essence of the gospel. You get a rough outline of how to present the gospel. And one problem most Christians suffer from is we need to, we tend to use churchanese. Now, churchanese is understood by churchanese people. It doesn't matter how good you are at churchanese, the non-churchanese won't understand what you're telling, even if it's good. If I came in here, I'm a Malaysian, by my language is Malay, and I came and gave this presentation in Malay, unless you know Malay, it would not have been good news so far. You know, say, what is he talking about? He's passionate about what he's talking about, but what is he talking about? We need to. Uh, we need to learn how to give a smooth flowing testimony. What I call a three minute edition, a gospel according to you. Pick up tools, mark your Bible places, all kinds of things to help you. Because if you're equipped, God says, I can use him. If you're not equipped, said, no point prompting this person. He's going to make the lost more lost. Number nine, be watching for open doors to share. Friends, if you're praying for them and you're relating to them, you're loving them, you're caring for them, you're looking out for their best, we need to be watching for open doors to share. You are, while you're doing this, you're earning the right to be heard with your spirit-directed compassion and kindness. Friends, we are called to expose the gospel, not impose the gospel. So most of the evangelism that I saw in the first 20 years was imposing the gospel type of teaching. You know, none of us like to be imposed on. None of us about anything. If you went into a store, you're just looking around, somebody asks you, can you help? That's great. But if they come and ask you three times in the next five minutes, you're imposed. I told him, just look it. It's okay to say, if you need help, come to me. No, no, we should not be imposing. Yes, we, are, we, we want them to come to Christ, but we keep exposing, exposing. Let me illustrate this, and we are just about wrapped up. 
When you go to a classy restaurant for a special function, say your birthday, anniversary, whatever, and especially if you go out, especially his anniversary, you go out with uh, another couple uh, who perhaps had the same rough date. When you go to classy restaurants, we're talking classy, we're not talking about, uh, you know, fast food. Uh, most restaurants, those kind of restaurants, uh, uh, you have to, you go and sit, ambience is great, but uh, you could, you could, uh, when, when things, are, uh, when the menu comes, uh, you have to almost read by faith. Because it's so dark and you're looking. <laughs> You've never been here, so you're looking at the menu. It's a big menu. They're getting bigger. They're putting cowhide and everything on the menus these days in classy restaurants. So finally you order. Then they come, slowly talking, chat. You're just about finishing your main course, and you hear one person tell the other, oh, it's so full. Boy, this is a huge helping. A few minutes later, the waiter or waitress comes, and these restaurants sometimes even push their cart of their desserts. And they come and show that's the this and this and that, and they've got tremendous vocabulary for this. And before you know it, the person who said, I'm so full, looks over to the other person, do you want to share one? What just happened? Somebody who felt full, exposing what is attractive and tasty made you feel hungry. That's what we have to do. Keep exposing. Make them talk behind your back. <laughs> Keep exposing. Keep smiling. Keep helping. Keep listening. Keep connecting. Our job is to expose so much that they want to pick it. I want that. I wish I can do that. That's our job. It's not as difficult as you think it is. Finally, last point. Be expectant and be patient. Evangelism is a process of cultivating. It's a process of sowing. It's a process of watering. It's a process of reaping. Patience is something you must ask the Holy Spirit uh, to give a mega dose of, especially if you are an impulsive person. The Holy Spirit is more interested in that salvation than you and I will ever be. He will ripen. He will prompt. No, you don't have to rush it, friends. If you rush it, you may spoil the fruit. 
before it's ripe. Evangelism is mission possible. Be reconciled with God. That's our job. Amen? Amen. Thank you.